Hello and welcome to the Gentleman's Journal podcast, a fortnightly discussion all about success, modern business and the lives of entrepreneurs. I'm Joe Bullmore, I'll be your host for the day and I'm joined this afternoon by Alexandre Mars, the serial entrepreneur and CEO of Epic Foundation, a groundbreaking charity platform. Epic focuses on taking the grey areas and worries out of charitable giving and builds philanthropy into the very structure of all the companies it works with. Alexandre has been described as the French Bill Gates and the comparison is pretty fitting. From his teenage years onwards, he started and sold a series of successful tech companies before finally turning his skills and his fortune to humanitarian problems around the world. In this episode, we talk about his eerie knack for predicting the future, his love of breakdancing and his brilliant new book. But before we start this episode, I'd love to tell you very briefly about The Clubhouse, a new kind of private members club brought to you by Gentleman's Journal. Clubhouse members get four issues of Gentleman's Journal magazine delivered straight to their door across the year, full of all those invaluable insights from the world of entrepreneurship, style and culture that you'd hope for. As well as, of course, some exclusive deals with a range of partner brands, restaurants and hotels, not to mention invitations to some very exciting events across the year. In fact, if you're a podcast listener, which you obviously are, you now get 20% off your annual Clubhouse membership, meaning you get the full Gentleman's Journal experience in full colour for just £56 a year, which sounds a bit like a bargain to me. To get that, just enter the code POD20, that's P-O-D-2-0, at thegentlemansjournal.com slash club. That's POD20 at thegentlemansjournal.com slash club. Right, let's get on with the podcast. Alexandre, thanks very much for joining us on the Gentleman's Journal podcast. Thank you, Joe, for having me. Um, you're only in London for one day, am I right? Uh, two days. Two days, okay. But you, you were just telling me how you basically live on a plane and you're constantly traveling around. Yeah. Yes, that's, um, that's barely my, my life. Okay. <laughs> well, thanks. <laughs> but for, it's a good for, thing, again, for a good thing. I'm not complaining. Of course. No, I've quite decided right. That. Well, I'm glad you're here with us. And we've got your lovely book in front of us, which is what you're promoting, which is giving. And it's a very handsome book. But I wonder, just before we start, how you have time to, to be this serial entrepreneur and also write a book. You must never sleep. Yeah, so no, I, I barely sleep, that's for sure. When I started thinking about the book, um, the question was more, um, do I see a value writing a book? And I started just, everything I'm doing, almost everything, as an entrepreneur, I'm always doing a market research. Yeah. And I started exactly the same with the book. I started going after people who wrote books in the past and said, what do you think? and how much time <laughs> you need to put there. And it told me, it's like a baby. It will take you nine months. Okay. But it will be, it, you will see the value of a book. And it's okay. So if, I, if everyone is saying the same, I think we should, I should write one. And that's what I did. Yeah. And the truth is, because we are launching, I'm so happy launching the book here in the UK, but the book has been launched in many other countries around the world. And amazing just feedback, results, and because it's a manifest about just uh, this world has been changing. It's the world now is different than it was you know, 10 years ago, and it's giving, but it's, the subtitle is even more important. Of course, yeah. the subtitle is Purpose is the New Currency, of course, and that's what we'll get onto in a bit. But you're kind of often called a serial entrepreneur, which is a phrase that's used an awful lot in the startup world, and sometimes I'm not sure it's entirely accurate. But with you, I suspect it's true. How many businesses have you started? Uh, uh, good question. I think it's, uh, I think, six or seven different mm-hmm. businesses. Um, but the truth is, I start very young and very old. How uh, old were you when the first one kicked 17. off? 17. 17, wow. So, at 17, and 
And I built the first one really, and this one is maybe the, the only one where I didn't really build the, or I didn't do this market research first. Okay. Was um, I need just to do something. I need to get some money. I love music. And it was in the music industry. Was I was 17, I was just going after um, high school directors and said, can I just use the infrastructure to just do big concerts there? And yeah. what we were doing, 1,500 people, 2,000 people. And that was the first one. And, and I want just to run things myself. And that's nothing better than being an entrepreneur when mm. you want to run something yourself. And at the time, I didn't want to have a boss. Okay. No way. Yeah. No boss. That seems to be a common theme that people just don't want bosses, so they work it out themselves. What were you like uh, as a child? Were you very entrepreneurial in the playground? Were you always... Did you always have a kind of scheme on the go? Yeah, so not really. What's is interesting, when I was younger, um, because I was taller than everyone else, okay. I was more taken care of, you know, my my buddies. So I was always um, the one with any issues, you know, I was, the, those, the, my buddies were coming wow. to me saying, oh, I need to do this, or he just just bothered me, and that's what I was doing. So it was not just building something or selling just marbles or against something different. No, not at all. I was really just not becoming the one who was taking care of the community. Oh, so cool. That's why is what I started doing, and that was for my classroom, and after for my high school, I was the, the one will I will be there if someone um, had just any kind of issues. Yeah, and how tall are you now? Uh, yeah. <laughs> for people who aren't here. So what do you think? Uh, six, four. Six, four? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's... Uh, that's About yeah. that? Yeah. Oh, good guess. Yeah. Um, have you been this tall since you were 13? Uh, yeah. Okay, so, so yeah, you so really no, were. No, that's bigger. No, it's, uh, it was maybe 14 or 15. Wow. But even when I was younger. So it, it started... The truth is, it started when I was in, in kindergarten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In kindergarten, I was just... Just no, I was. We had just different, just group of people. Of course, small gangs, just nice ones. But that's barely just uh, what I was doing. And you grew up between France and the U.S., didn't you? So the the family, indeed, moved to the U.S. fifty years ago. They stayed there for a pretty long time. They got my brother, who was born in Boston, and after just life, you know was different for them. They moved back to Europe and they got divorced. That's bit, but basically just a part of the roots of the family for sure are, you know, Europeans, but then they moved there. So it's always really just a connection between the US and Europe. But you've always been bilingual, I suppose, since you were a child. Yeah. Is that useful as an entrepreneur to kind of have different languages and you it's can speak It's interesting. Your... More than the fact that you can talk yeah. is the way you can understand people. Okay. And, and you know this, Joe, but when you go to, or f- when people in the U.S. are coming to Europe, they believe everything is easy in London because okay. you know, very similar. We know it's not true. And even harder when you, they go to just the continental Europe. Do you mean culturally there are small kind of differences? Sure, just you can talk, but if you don't understand sports, if you don't understand culture, if you don't understand what is on TV, what was on TV last week, you don't understand the culture. And the good thing is because I was there since I'm a kid, mm. I can talk and I was able and that when I was running businesses, the reason why I was able to run those businesses in the US as well is when we we're discussing about baseball. I was able to discuss just uh, what the shortstop is. Yeah, of course. Or in the same when we're talking about the crickets in the UK. Or and that's something very important. I'm just all about talking about sports because that's something that will always connect people. Yeah. And if on Monday morning you come to your office 
and you are not able to understand and to have this, it's a chit-chat conversation. It's really something not about just running a, knowing the world. You will be potentially in trouble, not because you don't understand what you say, but because you are not able to go that deep. Yeah. And the first layer is easy to get. The second layer is almost impossible without this. Yeah. So what, what's your favorite sport? What are you into? Rugby. Rugby, really? Yes. Okay. So it's not, not a great time for a French rugby fan, necessarily. Uh, uh, so I bring that up. But not necessarily a good time for England either. Yeah, we've... but it's, uh, no, after, when you love rugby, you love, you look at the All Blacks. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, it's uh, where, just uh, you understand, is such a, you know, a tiny, tiny country. Mm. They play so Incredible. well, <laughs> generations yeah. after generations. So yeah, huge rugby fan, but I'm also a baseball fan. Oh, really? And I love, yeah. you know, some, I'm love, you know, love many different sports. Okay. And were you a second row at school? Did you play rugby? No, it was, it was a good question. Yeah. Would it have been more third row, I think. Right, just okay. so. number eight. But no, yes, exactly. But no, my, my bro just played a lot. So okay. no, I was watching him. Cool. <laughs> um, I want to go back to your businesses because it, it seems that a lot of your, your companies you set up were incredibly ahead of their time. In 2002, you had a mobile company before most of us had mobile phones. Then you had a social media company in 2006 before there was Instagram or Twitter. Are you very good at predicting the future, do you think? I think is I think as an entrepreneur, mm. you can always have all the recipes with you. Something could be missing, and it's the timing factor. So as an entrepreneur, something you know also very well. You need to have a good product. That's why I mentioned the you know, when you do this market research. If you don't understand this supply and demand, if you don't understand what people want, just don't bother building anything. Mm. You still need to have a great team, but something you don't decide. And that's why it's it's hard and very hard to predict. You know, it's very un- unpredictable to know it to be sure that you will be successful or not. It's the timing factor. Okay. When you are younger, it's easier because you go after things and say, you know what, um, I have another 25 years and I don't have golden handcuff and I don't have you no know, two jobs and I don't have a family, so I can try. After it, it becomes harder, but this is very true. In 20, yes, it was in 02, mm-hmm. I remember having these conversations with people. I was going after people saying, you will see one day mobile will be everywhere. <laughs> and for me, I was explaining this, you will see one day, Joe, next morning, tomorrow. The minute you will wake up, you won't watch your partner mm. first. You will watch your phone. Wow. And people were telling me, never, never, Alex, you, no, never. I will never have, you know what? I will never have a mobile phone on my bed table. So for everyone who's listening to us today, you know, some of us, I won't say most of us, what we've done this morning. Yeah, look to the phone straight sure. away. It's the and, alarm clock as well. And, and that's... But that's yeah. all we find always good reasons. Oh, that's my alarm. But yeah. the thing is, after just doing this, you go to Instagram, and but that's normal. It's the way, you know, that's how we have evolved. And that's what I've been doing over the years is really just every five years trying to get something new, trying to understand how people will just, you know, change. And that's where, so it's not only just the question of um, trying to predict yeah. things. It's trying to get those weak signals, you know, the, okay. the way you see stuff just uh, a few minutes before others, not a right. few years, because it's too early, it's yeah. hard to sustain. So just a tiny bit before. Yeah. Right. So you Always. know what I'm going to ask you now, what's what's about to be big <laughs> and where should I put my money? I don't uh, have any money, I should okay. say. But um, <laughs> If, but it's, it's not about money. It's interesting. Thank you for this that question. What I realized four years ago, that was a new big revolution that you know, was coming. For the last 15 years or 20 years or so, 
people, and if you go after a lot of different people or businesses, they were always telling you, there's this tech no, disruption, there's this tech revolution. I know that I will, could be disrupted, I will lose everything. Mm-hmm. What? Because we've seen this you know, big, we have forgotten something. Is this social, you know, the social disruption, the social revolution, the fact that your generation, those millennials, the, this generation under 30, they are different. They, you know, my generation 20 years ago, after college, or, you know, we were looking at, you know, at ourselves first. It was the me generation. Yeah, I want a big car. I want just to have a beautiful title on my business card. That kind of, this generation is changing everything because they are asking something different. You know this, but I think it's important just to highlight this. They want purpose. That's the reason of the, the name of the book. Purpose is the new currency, not for everyone. We still have Scrooge McDuck, just to so know, okay. the Uncle Scrooge <laughs> yeah. in many places. But 20 years ago, this Scrooge McDuck was the icon. Yeah. That's the Wolf of Wall Street. That's was Billy. That's why I want to be calm. It's over. Mm-hmm. And because it's over for more and more people, you have businesses, they need to adapt themselves. Because if they don't adapt themselves, it will be very hard to re- you know, recruit, to retain. And the best will be to sell product because you me and a lot of people who are listening today, they will decide where they put their money. Yeah. And for 20 years, we were buying you no know, milk there or something different there, or about mobile phone. I can tell you that one day, when people will realize that all you know, businesses are, for example, not paying taxes, mm. I'm asking the people who are listening to us today, if it's normal that a business like Apple is not paying taxes in the UK, yeah. Is that is crazy. And everyone, I can tell you, everyone will tell us now. I'm paying taxes. Why they don't pay taxes? The truth is, look at your mobile phone now. And I'm sure most of the people have an iPhone. Yeah, of course. The world will change. One day, you know, more and more people will say, you know what? I will change and I will have an, I will have something to say through my credit card. Yeah. And well, they'll you, buy a different phone that doesn't that pays their taxes. Done. Yeah. And that's and it will be the same for everything. So you will see so to, to answer your first question, you will see coming new banks, new insurers. Mm. Every single industry will be disrupted because you have a choice. You have a voice. Mm. This voice is barely to decide where you want what you want to buy. And for years we didn't you know think about this. It was just normal. Okay. Is no longer normal. We cannot accept what have been accepted for years, because if you and me we go just in the street now, we'll see so many people suffering. Yeah. So many. Homelessness in the UK is crazy bad, and and so we need to do something. And not only just wait that governments will do everything. I do think, and we 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 think governments are doing their best. The truth is. Now, money uh, is not everywhere. No, it's of a course. lack of money. So we need to find other ways. And we believe businesses should really just pave the way. Yeah. You seem to have always had a, a sense of purpose, though, even if you are from the me generation, as you put it. Even when you were setting up phone companies and tech companies, did you have a, the idea that you would one day be purely philanthropic, I suppose? So I wasn't sure it was, I would be purely philanthropic. But what I knew since you know, I'm, I'm young, way younger is I, I needed money. And that's when I started my first business. I wanted to be my own boss, but at 17, 20, I was sure in three to five years, I will become the next Bill Gates. 
that's Bill just now was, and at the time, Bill Gates was not the amazing social good activist that right. he is now. It was more on the Scrooge McDuck just okay. side of things. It was building things, and it was at the the, 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 the start of Microsoft. But for me, I was saying, I will I will get there, and I was thinking it will be easy. <laughs> like so you the, you thought by twenty five? I was I was sure by twenty five, I will just be you know in that just just you know ecosystem, and then I will be able to decide the next chapters of my okay. life, and including just helping protecting the people I loved. For me, it was all about this, but I knew that my life um, was in the mission. Mm. So it will be a mission. I'm in the mission since I'm young. So I knew that my goal was not to have three cars, four planes, was just helping the people who are suffering. And when I was younger, it was more the beaten kids, the abused woman. That was, was really just dear to my heart, was the people were not able to fight back. That was for me the worst. That yeah. how people can just use you know, their power, mostly men use their power, and my superpower is my money. Okay, so you didn't make it quite to the Bill Gates level at twenty-five, but no, nowadays no. <laughs> people do like to call you the French Bill Gates. Is that something you you quite like, or is it or is it actually an unhelpful tag? No, I think it's an easy one. Just, okay, we work on the, on the tech side. We move to something positive. No, I can just this. They are. Uh, I think it's important to mention you know, Bill Gates, but it's important also to mention Melinda. So I yeah, think of it's, it's really just it's a, it's it's a couple decisions they have decided doing this. Amazing, they have really for, they have really paved the way, mostly for billionaires. So what we are, what we want to do at Epic is thinking that philanthropy is not only for the billionaires. It's very few people can afford to give away 50%. You know what? No, they give, yeah. do this through the giving pledge. They are going after people with a ton of money saying, you should give 50% of your wealth. So it's, I like this, but I don't think billionaires can save the world. I think is it, it does, it's on us, everyone. Mm-hmm. And that's why we have been building at Epic is building tools, solutions, easy way for people to connect and to put just this kind of, um, belief of you know, people, humankind, at the center of our lives. So let's talk about the Epic Foundation, or Epic Foundation. There's no the, like Facebook, they've lost that bit. So it's Epic Foundation. You um, don't compare us to No, you, of to course Facebook. not. And that's completely different in every single way. Um, but what, uh, what's the top line pitch? How do you explain it to people when you meet them in a bar? So one mission. We fight to change the lives of the underserved. Easy to understand. That's why we do. We fight. And someone to say we fight. Yeah. It's not easy. Talk, and I know it's all about entrepreneurship here. When you start something, when you run a business, it's a freaking fight. Nothing is easy. I have scars everywhere. But I've been, you know, I added one scar to another one. So, and it's the same here. And we want to change the lives of the underserved because if we don't change the trajectories of, for us as children and youth, it will be very hard for them. The life will be just flat or just at the, at the best. So how can we change this? And to do so, we, we know that on one end, you have amazing social organizations, you know, NGOs, or it's doing such a good work, social enterprises. And on the other side, you have businesses, individuals saying, I want to do more, but you know what? I don't trust. When we start doing the market research, we realize that so many people want to do good. But when you were asking them, but do you think you have done enough? Most of them were answering, no, because I don't trust where mm. I put my money. I don't trust uh, those organizations. I don't have the time and I don't have the knowledge. 
So I would use stuff locally. I would give to my school, kids' school. I would give to my church, to my synagogue, to my mosque. And when we get older, we always give to the hospitals. Mm. <laughs> uh, that's something you always can, you know, when you give, you always, you know, hope for the best. And that's what we have seen. And we have realized that maybe we can do something different. And that's what we have been building. Great organizations and how can we connect them okay. to people who want to do more. And when I'm saying this, not only people who want to give a billion, could be someone who wants to say, I want to give 50 cents more when I pay my tab at the restaurant. So when I'm using my paycheck, maybe I can run down mm. just now the, the two digits after the comma. It could be when I'm an entrepreneur, I can pledge 1% of my shares. Even now, I'm not sure I will be successful in the future, but you know what, if I am, I want to share something with the community. So the way of giving, the way of sharing um, is there. So yeah. the question is how you connect this to people. So you're kind of bringing a bit of trust back and a bit of rigor back to that process. And in fact, the way you go about it, it's almost like a VC vetting startups that it might invest in. What are the, what's the kind of process that, that every charity has to go through to get it, the green tick? So, yes, yeah, so you, it's a good point. It's like a, it's really like a venture or the VC. It's very it, the kind of approach where when you have a lot of organizations coming at the beginning of the year. So the way it works, every January 1st, we start having inbound mm-hmm. demands, requests from NGOs and social enterprises. And we also go and we find organizations in five regions around the world, the UK for sure is one of the country we're just um, uh, we're, we're, we're working. Um, and then after we spend seven months to get like a VC, like to get from the very start of the discussion to just what we want and which organization we'll be vetting. Last year, to give you an example, Joe, we have received or we have analyzed 4,000 wow. applications. We have selected five. Okay. Uh, so it's uh, easier to uh, to go to LC or LBS than to, uh, to Epic. But it's important because for people like you, when you see that kind of process, you say, okay, they've been looking at what kind of impact, what kind of governance, what kind of leadership, and so on and so forth. We have 45 data points. Mm-hmm. We're looking something important also about the structure. Um, we have no business model. And it's that's the that's their model. So we have the model that having no business model. So if tomorrow, Joe, you say, Alex, I love what you do. When you fight for this underserved, I will give you 10 pound. 100% of your 10 pound will go to to no, to the causes, to to the people who are doing the work. Okay. So I'm not I'm not taking any cut. Fine. I'm self-funding everything myself because that back to the, the trust issue you mentioned earlier, the fact that you never know if... 80%, 50%, 95% is going to the coast. You sometimes say, oh, you know what, not for me. That's why 100%. the money I made before is helpful, is the fact that I'm able just to self-fund everything. We have now six offices. We're opening a new one just this year. So the goal is to keep growing, mm. but with no business model. And so we are a loss-making organization. Okay. For the very first time of my life, I'm very happy and proud to run a, in a pure loss-making organization. And do you, did you have partners as well who back it, or was it all your own money? It's my own money. Wow. So and to, to do this, A, I, I made just some good money just in, in the last 20 years running businesses and tech startups. And I, I keep just uh, also backing entrepreneurs. So okay. I've also, so Epic is maybe where I spend 90% of my time, but 10% of my time is also keep finding and backing 
great entrepreneurs. But I'm only doing one sector, which tech for sure, but even tech is narrow and is narrower than this, is um, direct-to-consumer. Okay. And Series B, for the one that a lot of people will know, know what it is, so it's more, it's no early stage Fine. or Series A, it's more. And we have, we have back in the past the Spotify, Pinterest, cool. wow. Casper, um, Birds, um, and, and many others. So, and, and whatever the money we can just get from those amazing entrepreneurs and deals uh, is going back to Epic and yeah. help us to grow Epic. So will there ever be a business model attached to it? Or do you always plan for it to be Never. loss-making? Never. It has to be, it has to be a loss-making organization. Wow. Because it has to, the, trust, the trust factor, as you said earlier, is so important. And even on our side, you know, when you run, a, and everyone who's running a business knows this, we always have rings to keys. We always have you know, boots to leaks. That's how it works. We always have something to sell. Yeah. And sometimes, even if you don't want to do something good for the business, you say, I need to get this because I know it will be just um, useful for the business. In that case, we cannot just afford this. We're dealing with lives. And there's no way I will just accept something because I need to pay the salaries or I need to do something. So it has to be pure. When people are joining us, we tell them the money will go there. So, And many times they come to but I will understand that you can take 5%, but say it's yes to stay pure. Yeah. And one of the things I've heard you speak about is that charitable giving should be viral in a way, and that you're kind of trying to make it cool and accessible, where at the moment charity often feels quite worthy or, I don't know, it's quite um, a downbeat operation because you're often thinking about suffering. Is there a kind of a content strategy that tries to make it a more positive experience in a way? Tech, tech, just, um, tech systems can help. So if you can use... Um, tech tools, not for the sake of using technology, but more because you can just just reconnect people. Mm. So we see we saw this in the past. We've been using for ex- I will give you two examples. One, an app. So on your mobile app, if you give money away, you are able to connect not only with people who suffer, but with great stories. Uh, information, videos, pictures, but you can also see the impact of your money. So the goal is if you put money if you get, you know give money away in Africa. Maybe you don't want to wait a year to get a brochure coming to yeah, you. You will never read. You will never read anyway. But maybe you want to see on your mobile app how many kids got their shot. What will be the impact of it? Impact, impact, impact. That's something that the, that's for you, it's is you know it's, it's buzzy words, but it works because it connects your money, you with the impact, and then. Um, we have also um, shot movies in, in VR. So it's very similarly using virtual reality to bring you to places you will certainly never go. Maybe you, you want to go, but maybe it will be hard, it will be just far. But looking at this um, with those goggles um, will bring you and you will see something. So yes, to answer your question, we can imagine a different kind of content to connect people, not only just um, with some people who are suffering, it's, it's really the two hemisphere, yeah. uh, the two hemispheres of, of, of your just brain. If one is all but just um, this uh, kind of hyper, hyper-structured data, I want to be sure that my money is well used, I want to be sure that everything will go well. And the other side is almost the opposite, is about just I want to understand but I want to see I want to enjoy I want and it's the that's what is hard about just yeah. um, giving 
uh, when you give because you see just something or you watch TV after an earthquake, that's certainly just you care less about you know, the real impact, but you want to help because you... Yeah. But that's always just the... It's, it's tricky, to be honest. It's tricky, but tools are different now. So yeah. we need to use some of those tools to get those people just more aligned with what they want to achieve. So it's not just for for millionaires and billionaires. <laughs> In fact, people like Marcel and I, we could we could be part of the Epic Foundation, could we? Oh, yeah. And that's what's important about this. I do think the world for the last... 40 years, maybe more than this, maybe ever, has been a world where it was a top-down. Someone up there was deciding for almost everyone. And what we see coming, back to the question earlier, is the bottom-up. Yeah. We'll be just, and we see more and more. Sometimes it's hard with the Brexit, with the yellow vest. With, you, know, you have many different occasions to say, wow, it's not the perfect just uh, ending. The truth is, if you give choices to um, people. Maybe be aware. Maybe the results will be different from the one you think just up there in, in a Westminster or just in the left yeah. bank or wherever it is. So you need to be very careful. And the truth is it will never change. It will never change because you know, masses, people, citizens, um, they feel more and more empowered because they, under they understand that they've, they have been just... Uh, just the, this lack of power been there you know, for too long. So now, okay. and sometimes, is with their credit card. And what we said earlier, credit card, we'll see. Yeah. New, new banks, and we know some of them. New of banks are coming. New products are coming. Where they will go after us, and they will say, I'm different. I'm not the usual bank. I'm not the usual ABN. I can tell you they will be very, very successful. Wow. How do you manage the, um, the kind of pain, pleasure, principle with giving because sometimes people give a lot but then that's such a painful experience for their bank account they might not give in the future but little and often might be more a better strategy how do you help people work out how much they can spare basically it's a very good question we uh, had this question so many times and the question was the following one how much i should i should be giving and it's it's very hard to answer because it's it's, you are the only one able to decide this. So what we tell our friends, our peers, people who are just in our community is trying to define this, this threshold where giving has to stay joyful. Mm -hmm. And it, when it becomes joyless, it's because it's painful. So joyful, painless, stop. So maybe for you, Joe, is maybe 2% of your just uh, salary. Maybe it's five. Maybe it's, it's your, you know, something different. Maybe it will be your time. I, I'm not sure what it will be, but I'm sure that if you go beyond that level, yeah. uh, you won't, maybe even next year, you will not do it. And that's why we are always very careful about just people saying it should be 50% of what you have or 10%. The only people able to say this are the people just, or just, the religious people, because as you know, in every single religion, there is something about giving, about sharing. And it's important to understand this um, because in every single religion, the base of it, what the base of it is helping someone, it's something very positive. And it's, we should be very grateful and to feel lucky to be able to help someone in needs. And 
for some reasons, sometimes we have really just forgotten this. Yeah. So if you look at every single religion, there's a chapter in the book about just the religion. It's interesting. You you take every single one. Um, you have Siddhartha uh, for the Jews is 10%. If you take just Zakat for the Muslims is 2.5%. And same for the Christians. So you have always have embedded in their own religion the way of sharing. Yeah. And I suppose that's all, that's what you talk about in the book, the um, the different principles of giving around the world. What's been the feedback so far? I mean, it's only been out today in the UK for one day, but have you had, had good reviews? Oh, yeah, we've been, uh, we've been very, um, very fortunate. Back to the timing. This book works well. Why? Yeah, of course. Because of timing. It's a, it's a manifest. It's, it's all about just uh, trying to drive some action. So the book is all about examples solutions. You don't go after people, Joe, you know that, saying, you should do more, you should do this. It doesn't work. You should say, if you want to, I'm not judging you, solutions exist. And that's not that hard. And don't think that we need to wait the gates or only governments do everything. It's on us. So if you want to do it at your level, you can do this. If you are an entrepreneur, you can do this. If you are an investor, you can do this. When you go to the theater, you can do this. If you go to the restaurants, so many examples. The book is really about examples, is how can we have those call to actions? Um, and even is at the end, it's funny, when we work on with a publisher here, same in the US, at the end of the book, we build a guide. A guide, I got so many with the team demands from people sending us emails, messages, and I want to do this, I want to do this, how can I do this? And at the end of the book, you have pages of examples, but then if you want, for example, to send an email to your HR, uh, saying, I want to have the pitch, you know, the I want to run down on my paycheck. It's we have written paragraphs and everything. It's it's really cut and paste. And the same when you do your next interview and yeah. HR job. The goal is really just to get people active. We want activists because we believe it's it's really time. Yeah. And why it works? Because this generation we mentioned earlier, the millennials they are pushing the old generations to think differently because the old generations, most of them are, you know, understand well Darwin. Darwin is, how can we adapt ourselves? And if you don't adapt yourself, you become the next Nokia. No, 07, 50% of market share in, in 2019, 1% or 0%. Why? Because they were, you know, they didn't see coming a different revolution. This at the time was the iPhone. But for us, we are saying, Adapt yourself. Adapting yourself is understanding that this generation will just change everything. Yeah. And we see more and more people coming, but I'm also 52, I'm 35. I also want to do because I realized that I haven't done enough. So it's time. So where can our listeners buy the book then? So uh, you can buy the book everywhere, just every single good bookstore. Uh, and for sure, all the online just... Uh, um, Amazon's um, it will be just um, so um, it's HarperCollins we're publishing it so it's a US, it's a, it's a, it's a, will be just almost everywhere so there's great advice in the book about how our listeners can give and, and be better at giving but how can they get to the point perhaps where you are where they've got even more money to give so to speak what are your, your big tips for, for young entrepreneurs so it's do you think I should make money first mm. Do you think I, or do I go directly to social entrepreneurship, or do you think I should, tech, I should build this tech startup? Uh, 
very similarly, I don't have answers. And sometimes people say, I want you to make money first, and after I want just to use that money. Some others say, I want just to do good right now. And some others are, how can I blend the two? How okay. can I just run something? But at the core of it, I think this something is very, very social uh, driven. Our, for us, is very clear. 100%, that for me, it's, you know, it's very important. 100% of the winners have taken their chance. So for me, most of the time, people just say, oh, it's not for me, or it's too hard, or it's in, try. Try hard, work just harder. I've, I've, you know, to be honest with you, I'm not, you know, I was not the, the, the cleverest uh, kid in the world, but I was one of the one who was working the most. Okay. I'm the same now. She's not in high school. I was was not a good student, to be <laughs> honest with you, but just in the running businesses, you know, everyone um, wants to become an entrepreneur. So it's very challenging to run a business, as we all know. Just you need to find the ID, you know, just to run it. You need to find a team. But at the end of the day, is how much hard work you will put uh, to be to be successful. And for me, is and um, that's what we keep doing. Um, with Epic, um, I work just my ass off. I'm working. <laughs> Do you work seven days a week? Oh yeah. No, I'm working really just. I'm working very hard. But the fact is, and I, I won't, I won't do what I do if it was not to help just the people who are suffering. To be honest with you, I won't do this for having more money. Never, ever. No. But just uh, when you're in a mission, sometimes you know we say it's uh, it, there's no other way. For me, and that's something is true for everything. There's no other way. If you want to succeed, work harder than others. That's the only. That's the only way. You can you can have an IQ of 250, <laughs> won't help you. Yeah. So, so you need to work harder than others, and yes, it's a lot of work and luck, yeah. timing. I want to ask you actually about you mentioned before that you've started your own podcast, which is Against All Odds. I know that's not the French name, but I won't try and pronounce that one. But it's about people who have, uh, I guess, had less opportunity and they've come to places where they really had no right to be and been incredibly successful. What is it that you've found in those people? What's the kind of common trait that they hmm. all have? Or is there one? Yeah, I think there is one. And I think there is one with many entrepreneurs. What is, you know, if, if, you, are, if you are too perfect, if your life has been perfect since day one, you won't have that kind of, you know, you won't be thirsty enough. Yeah. So there is at some point just something, a crack in your shield. And what is? And if you have something um, very specific, you will f- you will fight for something. Most entrepreneurs and the very successful entrepreneurs that we all know, they have something, something at some point in their life, and sometimes, oftentimes, in their childhood, something that they will have to fight for against. They need to do something that just usually you shouldn't you shouldn't be doing. Mm. So that's why I hate I hate robots. I love humans <laughs> because we are different. And you are different. I don't know you enough, but I'm sure. What are your failures? What what was hard in your shadow? And the same for me. Yeah. And when you have something, you just uh, you work just differently. Maybe sometimes harder. And most of the people I've you know I'm interviewing in my podcast, people who, who have should have been should have been successful, but they had this sometimes hunger, this willingness to have a different future. And what was it in your childhood, do you think? What are you fighting for still? I do think, um, and I'm pretty sure, that I want to protect my mom. So just, uh, 
and it's uh, it's I would it was you know very uh, very important to me. I said uh, it's sometimes you know you you see yourself as you know protecting the people yeah. you love, and it's normal. I think it's it's very human for me. I want to protect her, and and from this is that I want to protect more and more people, and then just uh, said that I want to protect everyone I can. Yeah, okay. And, uh, that's and uh, that's that's the journey. Well, I'm sure you will. I, I, I wish you luck on that. It's an amazing Thank journey. Thank you, Joe. Before you go, I want to ask the kind of quick-fire questions we ask everyone. Go. Um, and these are, yeah, as much to, to learn about you as a man and not just the businessman philanthropist. First one is a bit businessy. Who in the world of business and industry do you most admire? Um, the, um, the founder of Ashoka. So Ashoka, I'm sure that everyone... Know this. Ashoka is the network of social entrepreneurs, or the the, the, the first one. So, this guy after McKinsey, even not after McKinsey, just four years ago, he left McKinsey saying, "I want to do good," and he's the CEO, founder of Ashoka. And Ashoka is the largest network of social entrepreneurs. An amazing, amazing guy. Wow, I should get him on the podcast. Uh, is based in the US, but he, oh, okay. he should. Well, we'll try. Yeah. We'll try. Oh, you'll love him. If he's in London, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, what do you think you'd be doing if you weren't running Epic Foundation? Um, special Force. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I thought you were going to say something sporting, maybe. Oh, that's, that's the other way. Um, you could be a fast bowler. You've got the height of a cricket fast bowler. Yeah, yeah. So I should, could <laughs> have answered this. I think Special Forces. Okay, wow. God. Um, What's your worst habit? Um, sweets, candies. Okay. Ice cream, biscuits, <laughs> cookies, you know. Endless. Sweet yeah. tooth. Yeah, sweet, yeah. Oh, yeah. What have you had today? What? Oh, um, so usually, it's not, you know, it's, uh, it's, uh, with a, it's mostly um, with a great tart just uh, just before coming here. I need sweets. Yeah, so okay. <laughs> it's a lot. No, fruits, Fine. fruits, sweet, that's what I Something, need. Something, bit of sugar. Oh, yeah. Oh, I think that's okay. As, yeah. as vices go, that's, what, that's all right. But yeah, the good thing is when I'm trying to explain to my kids and my wife, and, but I don't drink coffee, I don't drink Coke, Cola, it's just I don't smoke. So okay. give me, you know, I need a vice. Yeah, yeah. I think everyone... Everyone needs advice, right? Good. And uh, so it's, it's a, a good one. I mean, but yeah, I need something. So back to just, I don't want to be a robot. No. Just, I'm not perfect. I know this. And I like sweet. So you know, life has to be enjoyed. Okay, good. Um, what's your biggest failure or regret? We've heard about all the successful businesses. Were there any that really blew up in your face? Um, yeah, I was, when, I, when I was younger as a student, just, um, I've been held back twice. So it's uh, so just, really? I yeah. Oh wow! But when when you have thirteen and and then you need to just say okay, I have another no same grade at the time, it's uh yeah it's a kind of failure. But after uh, that's what my mom taught me is always look at the bright side of things. So very quickly after saying yeah, but it's better. I'm just the oldest one. It will be even easier with girls. Just now it's uh, okay. so and trying to get you no know, good good reasons to uh, to have done this. So it's uh okay. so yeah. So it's uh yeah that's um every that, problem's an opportunity, it's what they say in startup it, world. Exactly. It's hard to say it sometimes but it's definitely but no true. it's always no it's very hard to say something but that's what I'm always saying. You failures are normal. Yeah. Um and 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 mistakes as well. Yeah. But that's the same point is how, what what are you learning from them? And for me it's always the same. I'm always learning. Every day I'm learning. And and something important, you, you learn by listening, mm. not by talking. So that's one is important as well. Okay, 
And what phrase or conventional startup cliche would you like to banish from the world? It's not just it's not only on the startup mode, but we'll be more on the epic side. If if I see I have people telling me, I am a philanthropist, Alex, I'm paying my taxes. So and and for me is and people believe that's that's it. I think paying taxes is really being a citizen. Um, and it's something we have been just uh, saying, hopefully this will change at some yeah. point. Just, and when you're a philanthropist, is you go beyond just paying your taxes. Okay. What's your biggest fear? Um, I, you know, I think losing, losing, you know, losing the, um, the, the loved ones. So, yeah. You know, um, you know, that's, uh, and when you have kids, I think you, you understand this better than, than anything else. So I think the, you know, you, uh, you want to protect or even sometimes overprotect yeah. the one you love. So that's sure the, the that's fear true. is, you know, anything can happen happen to the one you you, you not dearly love. Yeah. And on a slightly brighter note, do you have a party trick? Um, I know. I think it is, I, I mentioned two things. Trying to, um, earlier, trying to analyze everything well before. Okay. So it's just a party trick. If you go, it's, it's sometimes it's always too late. So trying to understand who will be just uh, in the party okay. or what are you doing and trying to understand everything about the people you're meeting. Wow. So you analyze parties, social situations like a, like they're a business transaction. So, so again, after just uh, after you, it's uh, if you start just dancing hip hop, if it's uh, if it's a, you know if it's about salsa, you are in trouble. It's okay, the same. Fine. So barely just. Uh, I prefer dancing hip hop, but you? you know, so oh yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's what we do. We do we do um, um, hip hop battles with my daughter. Okay, she dances she dances uh, hip hop. Who, who wins most of the time? Oh, uh, um, you know, I think she's she's nine, so I'm still, I'm still I can show her some tricks. Okay. Uh, what well, do you break dance? Do you- no, so it's so just you know that breakdance will be just um, uh, next sport at the uh, you know before the uh, Olympics in wow. in Paris. So they are adding they're adding new sports and breakdance will be just uh, one of the new Amazing. sports in Paris in 2024. So maybe my daughter she can maybe she compete, can compete there. So it's funny. No hip hop, yeah. not breakdance. Okay, fine. I'm too. Old I mean for French it. French hip hop of course is is huge. It's kind of like the. The language of Paris. Well, there's MC Solar. I remember him. Oh, wow. My, my yeah. brother actually did a year abroad in Paris, I think. So he used to bring back all these rap cool. CDs. Yeah. There was another group. What were they called? I Cyan am. Super Crew. Do you remember them? They were yeah. like a big collector. It was like eight of them. That's Someone's over there is nodding. That's, I think that's a niche oh, 90s wow. friendship pop. But that's what he used to play on his kind of massive boombox. Yeah, when you say this, no, people no, say, no, he's not a millennial. Yeah. <laughs> because, okay. uh, that's, that's big well, there you stuff. go. That's having yeah. older brothers for you. Um, <laughs> What's your most treasured possession, physical thing? You can't say a person or a dog or something. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Um, the, uh, I have an, an, a necklace thing. Necklace yeah. was just about my brother. So that's what is really important to me. Lovely. So this is, was a, you know, first date. Okay. Uh, and is there a book that's influenced you more than any other? Yeah, there's one. There's, there is, um, um, and it's something I will just recommend any entrepreneurs to read beside, you know, my book. I'm kidding is the one from Malcolm Gladwell yeah. called The Outliers. Mm. Outliers is interesting. He has been working hard to understand why people, why people were successful. And maybe you read the book, but, you know, it's yeah. something interesting because same questions I other, other entrepreneurs or people want to be successful. How and why and, and how. I said, guys, just sometimes it's, it's uh, is again, what he's saying, what he's writing Gladwell in the book, 
work, yeah. work, work, timing, timing, timing. That's it. Okay. Have you read, have you listened to his podcast, his new one, Revisionist History? No. It's great. It's all I'm about sure. kind of the stories we've overlooked or misunderstood in the past. Oh, that's nice. It's very good. And it's, it's kind of got an entrepreneurial angle, but it's more just about how people often misunderstand things completely. And we get the wrong lessons from them, but it's good. Oh, but Just do it. No, Not to recommend another podcast over this one, but <laughs> it's up there. Stay here. Um, and before you go, do you have a personal motto that you take with you? It'd be nice if it was in French. Actually, that'd be quite cultured of us. Um, it, you want to? You want no, to tra- well, you, you can, want to translate. You can translate, it and then okay, I'll translate back to French. Uh, so, 100% des gagnants ont tenté leur chance. Okay, let me try and work that out. Uh, 100%. Uh, it's important to win. No, no, 100%. 100%. God, that was so far off. All he said, important. Of the winners. Okay. Well, winners, I was right with Gagnon. Boy. Yeah. So that's that's was 100% of the winners. Okay. I've taken that chance. Okay. So it's just that if you want, don't think that is not possible. And please try. If you don't try, you will never succeed. So that's barely just what I'm saying. It could work when I was 14 and when I say, okay, I want to kiss this girl. <laughs> And said, okay, now, yes, if you want to kiss the girl, go after her and try. Then just what can happen? The same everywhere. So if you want to build something, if you want to sign something, go and ask. And you will see just most of the time it will work. So it's all but this. So it's whatever you want to build. Believe in yourself. Believe it's possible. Believe it's doable. So that's just, it's mine. That's what I'm trying to, uh, that's what I'm sticking to. Excellent. Alexandre, thank you very much. Oh, thank you, Joe. Well, if you enjoyed this episode of the Gentleman's Journal podcast, you may well like the Gentleman's Journal magazine, the world's finest quarterly dispatch from the front line of luxury, entrepreneurship and style. In fact, as you may have heard earlier, podcast listeners now get 20% off our annual subscription. Just enter the code POD20, that's P-O-D-2-0, at www.thegentlemansjournal.com slash club. That's POD20 at thegentlemansjournal.com slash club. And if you really like this episode, why not rate us five stars on the iTunes store or, of course, wherever you happen to get your podcasts. I think that'll be a lovely idea. Anyway, I'll leave you alone now. Bye-bye.